Well, good morning, church. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here, and I wasn't planning for this as the intro to the sermon, really, but if you look at the bulletin, you'll see on there three images, um, sons and daughters, brothers, sisters, neighbors, and witnesses. And I think coming alongside that you were, it's so fits who we are as a church. We talk often about God making us family. He has adopted us into his family, and he calls you a son or a daughter. He has put us into this family, a church family, where we are brothers and sisters of one another, and then he sends us into the world as neighbors and witnesses. We talk often about identity at our church, at Park Community Church. So if you're newer to our church, I know a lot of you are newer, you're checking it out, you don't even really know necessarily what our church believes or what we stand for, you're, you're thinking through some of that. As I've met some of you, that question is, is very real in our church right now. And I want you to know that we believe that God gives us this new transformed identity. We as a church always want to put our identity in Jesus before our activity for him. It's a common It's a common human occurrence and especially a religious teaching and culture that's created that believes that we are accepted or loved by God or that we can attain heaven by our activity, by doing good works, by doing religious things, by fulfilling religious deeds. And what we believe deeply here at Park Community Church is that that is false, that it's Jesus' good work in our place on our behalf which transforms our identity It it adopts us into God's family, making us sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters of one another, and neighbors and witnesses to the world. So if you're new, checking out Park Community Church, that's what you need to know about us. We are so excited to come along, you, Michael and Samantha, and pray for you guys and, and work through that adoption process with you guys, and I encourage you all to join us on the 19th as we do that. I'm gonna just pause now and kind of pray before we go into the sermon this morning. Thanks for already praying for me, Mark. I appreciate that, but let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, that you are a good God, a loving Father. Lord, I know each one of us gathered here this morning have different experiences with our earthly fathers, which impacts the way that we view you, our Heavenly Father. I know that every one of us here in this room this morning have different experiences with our earthly brothers and sisters, which impacts the way that we view our brothers and sisters in Christ. And each of us have different experiences as neighbors and with our neighbors, which impacts how we view ourselves. And I I pray that you would help us to think rightly. I pray that you would transform us, that we would see that, that we are adopted into this incredible family, and that you, God, the good, perfect all-knowing, all-caring, heavenly Father loves us deeply and that to be a son or a daughter of God is a life-changing, transforming identity. To be in a church with brothers and sisters in Christ gives us this protection, this accountability, this fellowship, this friendship which can help us get through life's many ups and downs. And to be sent out into the world as neighbors and witnesses gives us purpose and meaning more so than how much money we can make or how many friends we can get to like our statuses or whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would supernaturally transform us, that you would empower us to believe the new identity that we have in Jesus Christ and place our faith and our trust in you and you alone. Lord, all of us who are here this morning, we all came in with different experiences this past week. Some of us have been on the mountaintop, some of us have been down in the valley, and some of us have been somewhere in between, just living life kind of Monday, day by day. 
I pray that you would meet each one of us where we're at this morning and lead us to where you desire us to be in your presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not much of a New Year's resolution guy. How many of you are? And there's no shame if you are. If you're a New Year's resolution type of person, put your hand up nice and high so we can see. All right, there's, there's got to be a few more. Thank you for doing that so boldly. Okay, we have a few, not many. And why, why aren't the rest of you New Year's resolution people? Because you've tried and failed? Yeah, yeah some of you. <laughs> That's why I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I don't like failure, so I'm not going to set myself up for it. But I am a New Year's reflection type of guy. I think it's just as good of a time as any, and it gives a good opportunity for us to just spend some time reflecting. So every year around this time of year, kind of between Christmas and New Year's Eve, I spend time reflecting on the last year. Every, every year as I roll into the end of the year, I jot down some notes, some hopes and dreams for the upcoming year. I don't call them goals because that sets me up to fail, but hopes and dreams, things that I'm, that I'm looking forward to, and then and then I go back and I assess it and I reflect on the past year and then, and then I think about the upcoming year and what I long to see God do in my life. Think If you think about driving, when you're driving down the road, what's the primary, the primary posture of the driver? It ought to be eyes forward looking out the windshield, right? And I believe as Christians, our primary posture is to look forward. It's vision for the future. Christians ought to have their eyes fixed on the future. Scripture tells us where we're heading. Scripture gives us a great hope. Regardless of the circumstances of our life, if our eyes are out the windshield, fixed on the future, where we're going, I think we'll be okay. However, when we're driving, there's also this thing called a rearview mirror. And that's helpful. You don't stare at the rearview mirror. The driver ought not to be staring at the rearview mirror to see what's behind them. But every now and then, the driver ought to glance at the rearview mirror and the side mirrors to see what's behind them and to see, see if anything's coming up on them. And I think likely, in the same way, we ought to sometimes look in the rearview mirror and be reminded of where we came from, what God has done. Our primary posture, our primary gaze is out the front windshield. Where are we going? Where is God leading us? But there's a time and a place and an occasion to look back and say, what has God led us out of? What has God done in our past? What, what happened behind us as we press forward? And so this morning, I want to look out the windshield. I want to look into the future and, and, and consider where I believe God is leading our church in this coming year. But before we do that, I want to pause and I want to glance into the rearview mirror to be reminded of where he brought us from. Maybe. This... Uh, Katie, could you go to the next slide for me as this, there we go. Oh, oh, there we are. Okay, so last year on this same Sunday, the first Sunday in 2018, this is an image that we put up on the screen, and I, and I preached through Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, which talks about faith. Last year, I sensed, as I, as I reflected on 2017 and, and prepared for 2018, and I do my own personal reflection time. I spend time with God thinking through me and my family and what does God have for us, but then I also spend a lot of time thinking about Park Community Church, my extended family. God, where do I believe that you are leading us? Where do I believe that you are calling us to step out in faith? And last year, it was all about another step of faith. I really sensed and believed God was calling us as a church to step out into faith and, and to open up our wallets, open up our hands, open up our lives, open up our relationships 
and, and, and to redirect them and to be used as God saw fit. And so we put this image up and we, we sensed and we believed that God was leading us as a church to add another worship gathering. We, in January, didn't have two worship gatherings, but we sensed as the church was growing, as we were running out of space in one worship gathering, that God was going to ask us to take a step of faith to add another worship gathering. We did that. Praise God. He led us to that. He empowered us for it. Thank you, volunteers. It required more volunteers. Thank you, everyone who serves. Let's, let's give all of our servants a round of applause. It required more people showing up more often and staying longer on connections team, on kids ministry, on finance team, on hospitality team, setting up communion twice as often, all of that. Thank you, church, for following God's lead as we stepped out into faith and added another worship gathering. The heart behind that was to make more space for more people. We were out of room at one service and we felt like to follow God and what God was calling us to do was make more space for more people. So we did that. Praise God for that. We also sensed that God was asking us to be willing to serve another church. We didn't know what that looked like last January, but, but we really sensed as, as I and the elders processed this and talked with other people in the church, we sensed that God was going to, in 2018, lead Park Community Church to, to give support, help, something to another church, whether that was through church planting or church revitalization or a replant, we didn't really know. In the past year... God led us that way. We were able to send out Matt and Holly and their team of people with finances, with people, with support to Elmwood Evangelical Free Church in St. Anthony Village, a church that was declining and nearing death. They reached out to us and said, we've heard the story of how God has revived your church and we'd like to be a part of that. Is there any way that you can help? And so we built this relationship with that church over the last year and we got to know them and, and trusted God and prayed through this and God asked us to send Matt and his team and people and finances over to Elmwood. And we did that. That required you, church, opening up your wallets, opening up your hands, giving big, trusting God. Thank you, church. Thank you. Let's give God a round of applause for opening up our hearts and minds to do that. And many of us were there last Sunday worshiping at Elmwood. Did anyone show up here to the locked doors confused? Put your hand up nice and high. Hey, great. Nobody, at least no one who's brave enough to put their hand up. It was amazing to go over there last Sunday and to worship with them and to see what God is doing in that church that's 16 miles away. They've gone from 40 people average on a Sunday morning to 100 people average on a Sunday morning in just two months. Because you, church, opened up your hands, generously gave. You took another step of faith by giving up relationships, people who we care about, who we love, who we know, who we want at our church. We gave up those relationships. They went out. We gave up some of our finances that we could have used for our own building, for our own ministries. We gave it in faith, and it's blessed this other church. And then lastly, we sensed that God was calling us to, to take another step of faith by, by serving another country, by seeing the gospel spread to another country. And at the time, it was Clint and, um, Clint and Christina Rivas, they were preparing to go to West Africa, and so we are still working and praying and working to get them there. They haven't made it to West Africa yet. They will in 2019, but we knew that as a church, God was asking us to open up our hands and to support them and to send them into another country. And a couple months after we put this image up and, and we had in mind God's going to call the Revises out, Linnea called up the elders and she said, hey, I, I believe that God's called me 
to go to Guatemala to make disciples of Jesus? Would, would you support me? Would you send me in that? And so in 2018, we prepared to send to two different countries. God, God one-upped us. He said, you had one country in mind. I have two countries in mind. And so, praise the Lord, in October, Linnea moved to Guatemala with your support, with your relationships, with your prayer, with your, with your finances, to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ in Guatemala. Amen? Amen. It's good to stop and look in the rearview mirror, to consider what God has done. I think as Christians, we, we don't often do this. We don't celebrate well. We don't acknowledge well the good things that God has done. But what an amazing thing. The Psalms call us to do this all the time. They say, remember what God has done. Rejoice in what God has done. Share what God has done. Because it reminds us that our God is a God of fulfilling his promises. Our God is a God who calls us to take steps of faith. Our God is a God who calls us to live not for ourselves, but for, the, for his glory. And I'm going to say this every Sunday this year, I think. That's my goal. It's my uh, reflection. <laughs> that he has called us to live for his glory, the good of others, and the advancement of the gospel. Those things are intertwined. He's glorified as we care about the good of others, as we send Linnea to Guatemala to make disciples. God is glorified in that. And it also advances his kingdom. And as we think about the glory of God, that, that moves us into caring about the good of others, and it also advances his kingdom. And so this is why we do what we do for the glory of God, the good of others. Church, God has called us to live for the good of others, not the betterment of self, but the good of others. The glory of God, the good of others, and the advancement of the gospel. And so that's where we've been in the past year. Praise God for his faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen, church? Regardless of what situation or circumstance you're in this morning, and as you reflect on the upcoming year, whether it terrifies you or whether it excites you, God is faithful. Not every year does, does this happen where we can check off everything that we sense God was leading us to. But in the last year, God did that. It's amazing. So this year, as we now kind of, let's take our eyes off the rearview mirror and look again out the windshield, as I've thought about 2019 and where God would have our church go, it's a lot less clear to me, which I don't like. I wish I had three things that I could give you, and then at the end of the year, we could say, awesome, let's check it off. We hit those three goals, reflections, we, we made it. This year, I don't have that. I've spent time thinking and praying and, and asking God, what do you have for our church? And we're making some plans. We're thinking through some things. We're going to be talking about building renovations in the near future here. And, and let's be preparing for our next church plant or church revitalization because we want to be a multiplying church family that's always sending out. But I don't have anything crystallized. God hasn't given me that. And so as we look at 2019, here's what I believe God has kind of put on my heart. And I don't know what the fruits of this is going to look like. But I, I feel like God is saying to me and to us, I, I, I believe that he's telling me to lead and encourage us as a church into deeper rootedness in Christ. I don't know about growth, like are we going to go from 250 to 300 people? I don't care. I mean, yeah, we want to reach more people. We do care about reaching people. 
But organizationally, structurally as a church, like our goal in this year is not to get this building renovation done. Our goal is not to make more space to reach more people. And that's, those are good goals. We're going to talk about those things throughout this year. But, but I can't, with a clear God-given conscience, tell you that this is where he's heading us, uh, leading us, other than I believe he's asking us to just go deeper. To go deeper with him, to, to experience more intimacy with him, to be rooted in him. And out of our rootedness, fruit will be produced. Out of our rootedness, fruit will be produced. See, oftentimes what we do in the Christian world, and even in the non-Christian world, some of you may not even be Christians here yet, and you're just kind of, you're checking this thing out, and you're trying to wonder, what is Christianity? What does it mean or look like to follow Jesus? So whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, Oftentimes, when we make New Year's resolutions or when we make reflections or, or we have growth goals, we often look at the fruit, right? Like, we focus on the fruit. I want to be a more prayerful person, so we think prayer, 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 prayer. We look at the fruit and wonder why the fruit is so small. When what we need to do is water the root. Fruit only comes as a result of deep, healthy roots, a tree will wither and die. It will produce no fruit if the roots aren't deep, if the roots aren't wide, if the roots aren't nourished. If the roots can't reach water and nourish the tree and nourish the fruit, that tree will not produce anything. And so church, so individual, if you want to see God produce more Christ-likeness in you this year, we need to learn not to look at the fruit of our lives, but to to look at the root. It's the hidden life. It's, it's the, the thing that people don't really see. It's the inner life. I mean, people see your church attendance. People see your countenance as we sing our worship songs. People see your reactions in small groups and Bible studies to different things. People see how you interact with people you don't like. People see how you interact with people you like. That's all fruit. People don't see what's going on in your heart. There's this, this inner life, this secret place, this, this growth, this rootedness in Christ that, that I believe God wants us to look at this year. And so as we do, there's two passages that I would just want to look at this morning. The first one is from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 13. So if you can flip there, it's on page 645 in the Pew Bible. And as you're flipping there, there's so much in Scripture about roots and trees and fruit. This is a common imagery in God's holy book, in God's word to us. I think there's a reason for that, and we're, we're going to get into that. We'll discover that. But just know that as we jump into Jeremiah chapter 17, that this imagery is common throughout Scripture. By the way, we're going to get back into the book of Matthew next Sunday, so we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 3. We ended in Matthew chapter 2 in the Advent season. We'll pick up in Matthew chapter 3 and work our way through the book of Matthew. But this Sunday, I wanted to just stop and talk a little bit about vision for 2019, being rooted in Christ. So Jeremiah chapter 17, the book of Jeremiah is an Old Testament book where the prophet Jeremiah is, he is prophesying to God's people loss and destruction and dysfunction. They are being dragged off into exile by the Babylonians. They've been unfaithful to God. They've worshipped idols. And God is disciplining them by allowing them to be, to be dragged off into exile where God will discipline them, where he will grow them 
and then eventually, years later, he'll bring them back to the Holy Land. So I just want to pick it up here in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Doesn't that just, an uninhabited salt land? It's dry. It's lonely. No growth. A shrub in the desert. Who is this? This is the person who trusts in themselves. This is the one who trusts in their intellect, who trusts in their power, who trusts in their wisdom, who trusts in their skill, who trusts in their, their job, their positioning, their abilities. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Some of you have very, that you have a lot of external strength. That could be physically or it could just mean financially and system-wise. God's really blessed you in the sense of earthly provision and earthly connection. You know powerful people, you know strong people, and it's tempting for you to trust in that. This passage is telling us that cursed is a person who trusts in the created things, who trusts in their own flesh or the flesh of others. If you trust in created things, in your own self or others, you'll be like a shrub in the desert that shall not see good. You will dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Does anyone want to live there? I'm, I, I can make the assumption and say no, correct? And who's going to choose the barren desert, an uninhabited salt land, over an oasis, over, over a stream of living water, or over an abundant lake? Nobody in their right mind. Let's continue on. Verse 7. Here's the contrast. Blessed is the man who trusts in who? The Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. I love that. Whose trust, who trusts in the Lord, like in his ways, in his works, in his will, in all the things that he does, in all of the circumstances he brings around us and puts us in. Blessed is the one who trusts in what God does. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is is the Lord. It's also personal. It's what God does and it's who God is. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. See, here's this tree imagery. A tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, the one who trusts in what God is doing, all the circumstances of your life, and also trusts in God alone, the person who God is. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water that sends out its roots. Roots go out and find water. They'll go wide if they're, in, if they're in soil where it's compact and, and they struggle to go low. They'll go wide to find water. If they're in softer soil, they'll go deep to find water. If they're by a river or a stream, roots will move towards that water to find 
to find the nourishment that they need to produce fruit. This passage is saying that if you trust in the Lord, if you trust the Lord, you are like a tree planted by a stream of water. There's this constant hope. There's this constant opportunity that you have to, to grow deep and wide or far to get to that stream, that stream of living water who is God. It sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. I love this. Think about the contrast here. The, the shrub in the desert, the heat comes and it, and it burns it up. The tree that has its roots deep and wide getting to the abundant water, even though a famine may come, even though heat may come, even though rain may be withheld for seasons of time, this tree remains green. It does not fear when heat comes. It does not fear the drought. It does not fear the circumstances around it. Because its inner life, this, this deep root system, has abundant water by the stream, the stream of living waters. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Church, you get anxious when circumstances around you are out of your control. Probably most of us. We tend to, if we're trusting in flesh, like verse 5, verse 6, if we're trusting in, in what we see in, in, in other people, other things, man-made systems, man-made thoughts, we get anxious because we lose control. But this passage is telling us and promising us that if we trust in God and what he does and, and who he is, that we will begin to grow deep roots that can withstand any type of, type of circumstantial weathering. That we can live in a drought. And it is not anxious in the year of drought. Church, what a, what a gift that would be for us to be able to live in hard, trying circumstances without anxiety. That's what God wants for you this year. God wants you to be able to live through any circumstance without anxiety. That doesn't even seem possible, does it? Because it's not. It's supernatural. It, it comes by being tapped into the stream of living water, by having roots that tap into God. For it does not cease to bear fruit. There's this continual production, this continual fruit that is offered to the nations, to the others. It continually giving good to others. It provides others with shade and vegetation and fruit for their good because it gets its source, its life from God, not from flesh, not from trying to impress others, not from trying to, to in our own strength, build our own life. This passage is telling us to, to go deep. Let's continue on, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, this is true of mankind. All of mankind are sinners by nature and choice. We, because of original sin through Adam, we inherit the sin nature, but we also participate in the sin nature. You see this very early on in children. I have some young children. They're amazing kids. They have sin nature. 
They like to do their own thing their own way. My, my two-year-old daughter has this malicious side where she loves to steal things from her siblings and run around the house and hide it, and when they come looking for it, she throws it and breaks it. She thinks about herself and what's fun for her, and she puts her needs before she puts the needs of her siblings. Who doesn't? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So when the world says, follow your heart, should we do that? The world will tell you to follow your heart. Church, based off of this verse, should we follow our heart? Thank you. No. The heart is deceitful above all things. This this heart imagery in this passage is, is kind of the mind, the will, and the emotions of mankind. And it's telling us that more often than not, our mind, will, and our emotions, our personal man-made mind, will, and emotions are going to seek comfort for self, good things for self. It's gonna, our heart is going to lead us to trust ourselves. Like verse 5 tells us, it gives us this, this indication that if we trust ourselves, we're going to wither and die. And our heart will lead us to want to trust ourselves or to see man-made things, to trust structures, to trust other people, to trust things. And here, the prophet Jeremiah, in the inspiration of God, is saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But here's what we need to remember, church. Jeremiah also tells us in Jeremiah chapter 31 that God will give us a new heart. And so a heart that's transformed by the glory of God, a a person that is rooted and has streams that go out to the river of God has this new heart. And we have this constant tension and battle of our flesh and our spirit, but God has given us a new heart. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him, and at the end, he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. There it is. God is this stream. He's, he's the stream in verse, nine, in verse 8. He, the man who trusts in the Lord, the man whose trust is the Lord, is like a tree planted by water that sends its roots out by the stream and it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought. It does not cease to bear fruit. The person who is planted by the stream and its roots grow and tap into the stream, as verse 13 tells us, the fountain of living water. That person can withstand anything like a deeply rooted strong tree can withstand a hurricane or a storm. And a weaker one with shallower roots will be uprooted and blown over. So church, as we come into this new year, I believe God is asking us to focus on our roots. To have our roots go deeper and wider, to tap into him the stream of living water. Second biblical imagery passage that I want to look at about roots here is Colossians chapter 2, which is on page 984 in the Pew Bible. Flip there. Colossians 
Colossians chapter 2, and in context here, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossia, and they're surrounded by false teachers and competing, competing philosophies, and so the philosophers of the day and age are saying, here's some things that you should know, here's some wise tips to apply to your life, here's some good man-made um, self-help things that you should apply to your life, here's some spiritual knowledge that we have, and Paul is telling them to cling to Christ. Picking it up in verse 6, we're just going to read two verses here, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says, therefore, and whenever there's a therefore, we need to see what it's there for, and so you can go before, later on your own and look into Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2 to get the context. I gave it for you a little bit. There's false teachers and all these competing doctrines trying to lead God's people astray, and so Paul is warning them, and he says here, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him. Scripture also uses this imagery over and over again to walk with the Lord, to keep in step with the Lord, to run the race. As you have received Jesus the Lord, the free gift of salvation from God in Jesus, as you've received him. As you've received Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted. There it is again, rooted. Deep. Tapping into something other than yourself and built up in him. So as we're rooted in the soil of Christ, as we're rooted by the stream of living water, which is God, our roots go deep into the soil of Christ. They, they go to the, the river of living water, to God, to get their nourishment, to get their fulfillment. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Church, this, this is what I believe God is calling us into in this new year, to help one another be rooted in Christ, to be like a tree planted by a stream of living water that, that can withstand any adversity. In fact, I didn't want to do this passage, especially the Jeremiah one, because it almost seems like I have to ask the question, is God preparing us for, for a season of drought? I don't want that. I like growth. This last year has been fun, seeing our church grow, seeing our finances grow. I don't know that God's preparing us for a drought or not. It doesn't really matter. The point is, we need to have roots that go deep and tap into the stream of living water so that regardless of circumstances, we produce and we bear spiritual fruit. Fruit that, that testifies to the glory of God. Fruit that is given out to the good of others and fruit that contributes to the advancement of the gospel. And, and we do this by being rooted in Jesus. As you have received Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Church, this year, let's together try and help each other focus on our roots Let's try and stop looking at each other's fruits and saying, you seem this way. Well, maybe point that out and say, what, what, what's the root problem there? How can I help you? It, it seems like your passion for God has dried up. I don't see the fruit of worship in your life. What's going on with your roots? Can, can, can we water that root? Can we help that root find the stream of living water so that you would worship with fullness and abundance and joy? You seem to be lacking the fruit of love. Well, let's stop looking at the fruit and say, what, what, root might, what root might be damaged? 
Let's figure that out together. Let's pursue that together. Let's probe that together. Church, together, let's one another help each other be rooted in Christ to grow deep roots in this upcoming year. That happens through jumping into community groups, through opening your life with people, through creating gospel friendships. There's a couple things I want to talk about here as we kind of close down. Just growth in Christ in general, and it's kind of connected to these two passages. Growth in Christ, some things that are good for us to know, is it's both active and passive, church. Active and passive. How does that tree in Jeremiah chapter 17 find the stream of water? A tree's roots will work hard. It will search for water. It will seek it out. And if water's there, it will find it. It will suck that water up. That water will nourish the tree. And so growth in Christ is an active thing. We need to search for God. We need to explore God. We need to read scripture. We need to be in community. We need to seek the stream of living water through worship and through the word. But it's also a passive thing, isn't it? And this is very encouraging for when we are having our bad days, our bad weeks, our bad months, and our bad years. You ever been there? You ever been in a season where, where your roots weren't searching for water, but instead your roots were, were just almost resistant to water? Where, where you're just spiritually numb, you're spiritually dry, you're spiritually cold, you have no spiritual unction, Church, be encouraged with this, that even in those seasons, God grows us even when we're passive in our growth. You have to hold these things in tension, right? We need to actively search for the stream of living water. But those of you who are sitting in a passive place right now thinking, I don't even have the internal desire to seek him, he may just in this next year pour down rain upon you. What does the tree do to produce rain from the heavens? What does a tree do to produce rain from the heavens? Nothing. Nothing. Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. Church, be encouraged with who God is. Yes, actively pursue him. Actively seek the streams of living water. But also trust and know that God, your father, cares more about you and your soul than you care about yourself and your own soul. And he may just through passive means, through you doing nothing, he just may bring upon you a dousing outpour of rain. Or that trickle of a stream may turn into this this massive river that your roots can now sense and then they'll grow into. Be encouraged, church. God cares for you. And so actively pursue him. Actively pursue him by church involvement, by reading his word, by, by, by worshiping him, by pursuing him. Pursue him. But also know that when you fail, God continues to pursue you. He places you in an environment where you can receive nourishment. The second one, growth is gradual and inevitable. I stole this from Tim Keller, shameless plug. He has a great sermon, I think he gave it in 1998, called How People Change. Write that down and go listen to it. Seriously, all of you, that's your 2019 assignment. Do it ASAP. It's so incredibly good. How People Change, Tim Keller. And he uses a different passage and there's some different application points, but I stole this phrase from him that it's gradual and inevitable. Think about this. How does a tree grow? Do trees sprout up overnight? Do they? No. Don't we want our spiritual life to be like that? 
And yet scripture over and over again uses this botanical, this, this, this growth imagery of trees and fruits and, and it's all agriculture imagery and it takes time. So church, if you want to grow, don't be discouraged by the slowness of your growth. Set your expectations appropriately and accordingly. Growth comes gradually over time, year after year. How do the trees look right now? And our windows are blocked out. We can't see any trees. Imagine, look, put your mind outside real quick. What do those trees look like? Dead. They look awful. Are they dead? In a couple months, how will they look? Green, full. Will they have grown? Yes. In seasons of dormancy, God is often doing far more than we could imagine. He's growing us in ways that, that we don't realize, that others can't see, that we can't even see. But church, if we are in Christ, and that's what Colossians is saying here, as you've received him, if he is your Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him. If we have received him, if he is our Lord, if we are in Christ, you will grow gradually and inevitably. If you're not growing, you have no assurance that you're not a Christian. I stole that from Tim Keller. Go listen to his sermon. He explains it a lot more. Now, if you're not growing, that may not be an indicator that you're not a Christian, but you have no assurance of salvation if you don't see growth. And how does growth come? Does it come by focusing on the fruit or by focusing on the root? The root. So water the soil. Search for water. Take big gulps of God, the stream of living water, and trust that he will produce fruit in you. And expect that, it's going to grow, that you're going to grow gradually. You may look more like Christ 20 years from now than you do today. You will if you're in him. You will. You'll start responding to situations differently. It'll be slow and it'll be gradual and some people will notice. My kids, on average, grow about an inch every year right now. I don't notice that from a Monday to a Tuesday. As we grow in Christ, you don't necessarily notice it, but we all want these amazing experiences with God, right? Where it's like transformation, deliverance, I am a different person today than I was yesterday. Sometimes God does that. But more often than not, it's in this botanical, it's in this agricultural, the scriptures give it, give it to us in this agricultural imagery where it's slow and progressive and gradual and year by year and spring after the winter. So trust what God is doing. Trust him, not yourself, not your man-made systems, not your religious duty. Trust him. Be planted in his soil. Have roots that grow to his water. And then lastly, it's internal and external. So growth first happens internal. This is the rootedness. It, it's, it's underneath the soil where people don't see. It's, it's what's going on in your mind, in your heart. We need to renew our mind with the gospel. We, we need the Lord to transform our hearts and then eventually external fruit will be produced. Growth will be observable by others. Let me close down by just going through our three identity statements and activity statements. So at Park Community Church, we say we are sons and daughters who pursue God, brothers and sisters who practice his commands, neighbors and witnesses who proclaim his gospel. Is it safe to say that most Christians in the new year that, that you would want to pray more and read your Bible more? That would, be the, that would be the fruit of pursuing God. We pursue God by reading his word and by worshiping him and by prayer. That's how we pursue God. So the fruit 
of a Christian life is scripture reading, prayer, worship. How many of you fail in your year-long Bible reading plans? I want to grow more in reading the Bible, so I'm going to read the Bible more. You're looking at the fruit. You fail your Bible reading plan in February because you get into all the genealogies and you don't know what you're reading anymore and you get bored. And you're looking at the fruit. I want to read more. I want to read more. I want to read more. And you run out of energy and strength. So stop that and look at the root and say, what would cause in my life, what, what root would cause the, the production of fruit that reads the Bible more? Understanding that I'm a son or a daughter of God. That's the root. That I have a heavenly father who has communicated to me. God, my father, he's adopted me. He calls me a son or a daughter and he has spoken to me. I love reading letters and cards from my mom as many weird emojis as her text has and as cryptic as her writing is in her seven-year-old state and her trying to be modern and use emojis. If you've ever gotten a text from my mom, you know what I'm talking about. Most of you probably haven't. Just realizing that now as I'm verbally processing... (laughs) I love reading those because it's my mom telling me what she thinks about me and that she loves me. So as you want to read God's word more, remember that you are a son or a daughter of God and he has written you an incredible love letter and that will get you into the word more than saying, I got to be a better Bible reader. You want to spend more time in prayer? Don't just think, I got to spend more time in prayer. I got to be a good Christian. I got to do my Christian duty. Look at the root. God has adopted me. He calls me son or daughter, and my daddy wants to hear my voice. My daddy wants me to tell him what I need, what I want, what I hope for, what my dreams are, and he hears it, and it causes him to smile, and sometimes he gives me what I want, and other times he doesn't because he knows what's good for me. You want to grow in prayer and worship and reading the word? Look at the roots. You are a son or a daughter. You want to grow in love for your neighbors, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, love for your fellow Christian? Don't just try and grin and bear it and love them more. Look at the root. This is my, my brother and sister. I, I have this, this commitment, this obligation to care for them. Look at that root. You want to grow more as an evangelist? You want to tell your neighbors, your friends about Jesus? Don't just think, I got to do this to be a good Christian. I got to do this to be a good Christian. Look at the root identity of biblically that God has made you a neighbor and witness to bless the world, to care about their good, to, to proclaim Jesus in both word and deed. And you will find yourself growing. As you look at the root, gradually fruit will begin to be produced. I don't know what that's going to look like for us as a church in the next year. I don't know if the result of us looking at our roots is going to produce a building campaign. I don't know if it's going to produce more people coming into the kingdom of God. I don't know if it's going to produce us planting another church. I don't know what it's going to do in our church body. But I'm convinced that God wants us to to help one another look at our roots, to grow up into maturity in Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done in our place, on our behalf. I pray that you would help us to grow up into maturity. We thank you that you are the stream of living water, that you nourish our souls, that that you are the one who produces the fruit. God, I pray that we would all actively pursue you and seek you out. And even when we're not, we thank you for, in our passivity, you are active, pursuing us. Meet us where we're at, Lord Jesus. Lead us to where you desire us to be.
in your presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen.